Leaders provide a vision, a path forward to guide others to create an even bigger, better, brighter future. But what can leaders do during uncertain times, during turbulent times, when those they are leading feel an ever-increasing sense of confusion, maybe some conflict, maybe even chaos? Well, there are three key elements. There's emotion, there's education, and there's empowerment that you can use on your own journey of growth to guide others at your bank, credit union, or fintech. Let's find out how you can apply these three elements together on today's episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Greetings and hello, I'm James Robert Lay, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Digital Leadership Series, and joining me for today's conversation is Audrey Canada, who is our operations lead here at the Digital Growth Institute. In our conversation today, Audrey and I are going to talk through three key elements, first emotion, then education, and finally empathy, these elements that you can use to guide others on your team to co-create an even bigger, better, and brighter future together. Welcome to the show, Audrey. It is good to share time with you today. Thanks, James Robert. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, talking about these three keys for digital leadership, emotions, education, and empowerment, what is good in your world? Always starting on a positive note, personally or professionally, it's your pick to get started. Well, I just got back from an incredible trip with my two kids. Uh, We went to Disneyland and uh, it was just such a wonderful thing to be able to get away, just our family, uh, no distractions. And it was just, it was the best time. My heart is full. Uh, We laughed. I mean, I think we all kind of needed that escape a little bit. And so, yeah, I'm just really grateful for that time with my kids. What was the key lesson learned for you? And we had talked about this, but I think it's it's important to pause and it's in context of this conversation around digital leadership because if you think about digital leadership it's so easy to get sucked into all of the digital tools and technologies the cell phone the mobile device the email the social media but you created intentional space and time to just disconnect and reconnect with those that need you most? Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. Um, eliminating the distractions. Um, that's a huge thing, especially uh, around our kids, you know, and, and and I work remotely. So my kids are seeing me work a lot. And, you know, I've got my laptop or I have my phone out. And, you know, I don't think we always pay attention to just how much we're looking at our devices when our kids are around. And so, being intentional with that, it's hard. I understand that. You know, for us, we're somewhat addicted, I think, to technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but taking that time and and getting away, like getting out of the house, going somewhere different. Um, I'll tell you, when you're in Disneyland, uh, you're not on your phone unless you know you're snapping pictures and photos. So, you know, your day is full. It is just you and and the kids and a lot of fun. So I think just taking that time uh, and and getting rid of the distractions. Well, and I think it's important to be mindful too of the emotive state that we're in, and when we do need to create that space and time to disconnect to to reconnect with those that need us, so that we can too also recharge as well because. One of the key elements for digital leaders is to be mindful of your emotions. In fact, emotions were something that came up in a conversation 
that uh, you were involved in as part of the Stoic Leadership Program that Ryan Holiday is hosting. And I'm writing about this too, emotions in, in banking on change. And emotions are energy in motion. And our emotional state can increase our energy, it can decrease our energy. Um, but when it comes to digital leadership, it's not always easy to talk about emotions, particularly in the context of, of financial services. How do, how do we overcome that? Uh, I think, you know, creating a safe space, a safe environment, and as the leader, you've got to take that initiative, do your temperature checks, you know, check in on your people and see how they're feeling and validate those feelings. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times we suppress, we want to suppress our feelings, especially at work in a professional setting, we want to hide it, but suppressing, I mean, it's going to come out at some point. I think there's a healthy way to deal with your emotions. Um, It's important to feel all those things. So I think just creating that that environment that encourages people to share and and be honest and say, hey, you know, if you're not feeling great or if you're not feeling optimistic, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, You know, as long as you're still acting and doing, uh, you know, appropriately, I think that's fine. I, I think we should encourage that. It definitely, and and I'm I'm glad you brought up the point that the digital leader has to lead with that. It's easy to mask, and I will be the first one to share. It has taken me a lot of practice to open up the heart, if you will, to become more vulnerable to share where I'm doing fantastic, which is easy but to also be able to admit where I can improve or I might even be struggling to a yeah. degree. I mean, I just, I think back to earlier this week, a conversation you and I had where you were honest about how you were feeling. You had been traveling, you were dealing with a little bit of the <laughs> altitude sickness, and we were supposed to record this podcast actually the next morning. And you called me uh, Monday evening and said, listen, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm exhausted and I don't know that I'm going to have a you know a full amount of energy to give to this tomorrow and I said that's fine you know thank you for being honest let's not push it and so we did it and I appreciate that honesty because then it you know it, it makes me more comfortable when the time arises to say the same thing back to you if I'm not feeling it that day that's that's so true and I think even if I recall on that experience I never I never backed out of it I think I said, I'm, I'm going to be, I'll show up, I'll grind, I'm, I'm ready. You were the one who took the cues and said the next day you sent me a text saying, maybe we'll just, we'll just kick this down two days, you recover, you recharge, and I'm so grateful for that. But on the, on the flip side of the puzzle, as a digital leader, we must be mindful to not always trust our emotions because sometimes our emotions they can serve us very well if we're mindful of that but two we must also be mindful of when they might not be serving us in the in the proper context or the proper capacity why why is that so one of the things that the stoics you know really are sympathetic to is the fact that our emotions are largely out of our control. I mean, they happen almost instantaneous. 
Um, and they're also not hardwired. You know, your emotions, your the way you feel about something, it's all based on your experience mm. and, and your perspective. And so this isn't to not validate emotions, but your emotions aren't real. You know, they're not facts. And so we have to make sure that we're not responding based on these emotions because it is very personal. Um, you've got to take a step back and, and remove those emotions and just look at the facts at hand before you make decisions or or take action. So I think uh, Viktor Frankl, who wrote Man's Search for Meaning, which Great is book. phenomenal book, must read. He talks about this, this space between stimulus or, or a trigger and your response. And that space in there is where growth happens. You know, that's where great leaders are made is taking that time to step back from your emotions before uh, taking action. I would say if in reflection of just my own journey, it's that emotional awareness that comes back into this, the EQ, the emotional quotient. And I think a lot of times we look at EQ as something for external relationships but EQ is just as important, if not even more important, for the relationship that you have with yourself as a digital leader to be mindful of your emotive state and not not be a ship adrift without a sail on a sea of emotional energy because you will it'll be a bumpy ride, right? Absolutely, certainly. Now, the the interesting thing when it comes to emotions, we can look to how the astronauts were chosen. Uh, yeah. What, what's the story behind the story there? Because this is going back to a, a movie I remember watching and loving as a kid called The Right Stuff, and it was the story of how they picked the astronauts. And it wasn't just on their their smarts or their IQ, it was also yeah. an EQ as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's about, you know, they astronauts, it's not always, I mean, granted they are brilliant, but it's not always based on who's the most intelligent. It's who has the ability to regulate your emotions in extreme mm. situations. It's probably, we can argue that there is no other profession or, or anything job on the line that is as intense as being an astronaut. I mean, you have to, any split second, you've got to be ready. And so they do tons of training to where they, you know, they experience, uh, you know, in their simulators, all sorts, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of different scenarios and their response to that. And they have to be able to, within a mill, I mean, a millisecond could be the difference between their life and death. I remember recently having a conversation with someone who, is ex-military special forces now is doing high level infosec security information security work uh within actually financial services is one of the verticals and he was sharing with me that for example they would take a leadership team from a community institution bring them to a hotel and run them through a three-day scenario that everything just goes wrong. And so they have a group of observers. Um, they have actors there from the press. They have actors there from account holders. 
and they really try to stress the emotional limits of this leadership team from the CEO to the chief information officer to the chief marketing officer dealing with PR. It's it's a it, when we were talking about I'm like that's a fascinating yeah. exercise because back to your point yeah. it's a simulator that I think if you practice some of this it once again it creates that emotional awareness of how you're either a reacting or b hopefully responding what's the difference between the two because i think a lot of times we just go with the reaction to the situation when we should be responding instead oh yeah i mean generally speaking the reaction it's immediate it's instantaneous and again it's it's kind of largely out of our our control uh the response is is you know, where we take time to think things through, remove all of our, you know, biases or our opinions yeah. and just take time to look at the facts and and not just respond for that moment, but really think through that response and, and all the different consequences that's going to good or bad consequences. Think through all those different scenarios. Um, but really, it's that it's that space. Like Victor Frankel said, it's taking that time, that time back, that step away, go take a bird's eye view and look down, you know, uh, the the further away you are from problems, the easier they they tend to seem to be. So take a step back, look at it from a you know far perspective. I appreciate the bird's eye view. It's a lot of the work that that we do here with financial brands is we try to take people up to the 30, 50,000 view, yeah. get them out of the day to day, because I know so many many financial brand leaders, whether you're in marketing, sales, you're on the leadership team, it's so easy to get stuck in the doing of, of, yeah. of the business. Um, and, and we're just as guilty as charged here at the Digital Growth Institute. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's one of the reasons I've been a member of Strategic Coach now for seven years is every 90 days I get pulled out of the doing to get that bird's eye view and yeah. And also just connect with others for perspective, because I, I think this idea of emotion is perhaps directly correlated to with perspective and perspective setting. Um, 100%. I think about some recent strategic planning uh, sessions that I was helping to lead and facilitate. There was one particular organization that the fear that was being communicated both verbally but even more more deeply through body language around the subject matters of AI for example was very apparent my question though is to your point you brought in the idea of our how our bias and our biases will influence our emotive state, which will then influence our actions. Mm -hmm. How much of the negative emotive, or the negative emotions that this particular group was feeling is going to limit their future growth potential going forward? I think a lot of it, it's environmental. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you look at that organization and you said the majority in the room were fearful. Well, you know, that's natural. Absolutely, it's natural. It's it, it, it's 100% human nature. 
Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that it's, it's environmental. It's, it's your surroundings. It's who, who is in the mm. room with you. Uh, you have one fearful person talking about their fears, bringing it up to somebody else. They're going to naturally pick up on that. And so I think, you know, we've seen organizations that are, that are vastly different, you know, either all feel fearful or on the flip side, maybe they're all curious. And I think it starts from the top down. You had a conversation not recently with, uh, maybe a CMO who was talking about their CEO in a board meeting or a team meeting no. in front of the whole group mentioned how scared he was for the future and AI. You're a leader and, and, you know, people are looking at you, you are modeling uh, behaviors and thinking and, and your team members are going to pick up on that and respond to that. You know, that's why I think you and I, when we have conversations, you know, we influence each other with the way we're thinking, uh, you know, what you're watching on the news and and who you're talking to. So I think it's really challenging when you're in an organization because you've got that one, you know, bit of fear, but it could spread like wildfire. Oh, and, and we, we have, we've had these conversations, for example, Outwitting the Devil, great book, yeah. great discussion that we had. But this is why when you are mindful and you can start a conversation around what's been going well, where have you been winning, what are you excited, what have you learned, what are you looking forward to, it does change the entire energy of the room because back to your point, you could have just that one person, that one negative energy, it brings the entire group down. So this is such a key point, this idea of emotion as a digital leader, lean into this because I get it. It might feel uncomfortable at first. I've been there. Like I can really yeah. empathize with that. But the more that you increase your EQ, the more you also increase your AQ. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. I, that's another thing, you know, because you know, if we're talking about emotive states, in the ability to adapt, AQ, adaptability quotient, this is about learning. And that's why another important element for digital leaders to consider is choosing, and that's the key, choosing your educational experiences wisely. Yes, yes. So I, I really like this one. This one really made me think about things that I, I really hadn't before um, around education and, and how we're choosing where we're investing our, our time and our money. And and this one, you know, there's really no right or wrong answer. It's really a matter of opinion and your preferences. But I definitely think it's some some great food for thought is thinking about, you know, the conferences that you're going to or the workshops that you're going to, you know, what are you getting out of those? You know, James Robert, you don't go to a lot of conferences other than the ones that you speak at because you've chosen to invest a, a pretty significant amount into strategic coach because what you get out of that, those four quarterly meetings, you know, you're, you're in a room with a dozen just brilliant, brilliant entrepreneurs. And, and every time you come home from that, you've got just, the most incredible energy. There's always some new thinking or not some new tool that you come home with that. So while it is a, a large investment, the, the return on it is significant um, versus if you just invested, you know, on going to a couple of conferences a year. Um, you know, I know I've, I've been to a lot of conferences before, and this is no knock on conferences at all, uh, where, you know, I was there for two days and it was fun. I enjoyed you know, networking and, and talking to people, but I didn't really get a whole lot of action items out of it. Um, maybe just come like surface uh, level content, nothing real deep. That's why I want to pause on that point to 
to compare and contrast the two experiences. And, yeah. and, and once again, one is not better than the other. And, and I appreciate the perspective that you're bringing here because you were an educator for seven, seven years. Yeah. Yeah. And I truly believe once an educator, always an educator. And my mom was an educator. So I probably have picked up some of that educator gene within me, which is why education is so important. Ongoing learning is so important. But the, the traditional conference, I would say, for the most part, outside of networking, is a very mm-hmm. passive learning experience. Yeah. It's almost like yeah. you just you go to the movies and you sit down and you just, you just consume. Yeah. Where a workshop-like educational experience, which is how we facilitate a lot of what we do here within teams and organizations and even bringing different teams and organizations together to learn and grow together. The workshop experience, it's not passive. You're part of the experience. Yeah. And a lot of times you're building something in that experience. I know we invested last year, we invested uh, about, I think, eight or $900 for a workshop for me to go to. Now, granted, going into it, did we know what I was going to get out of it and take back? No, but we, you know, looked at it and and made an educated uh, assumption that it would be valuable. But what happened was we ended up coming back with a completely new perspective on how to position one of our products that really flipped things around. So that $800 workshop really transformed a ton of our thinking and created a lot of value uh, for our organization. And honestly, thinking about this podcast right now, this digital leadership series, this was a direct uh, product of going to Ryan Holiday's leadership challenge. That was maybe a $200 investment, I think, for nine weeks of content. And out of that investment was a new leadership series that we've, we're now on episode three or four of it. Which has the potential to become a, a program going forward into the future yeah. as well. But I think... And this is important, whether you go conference-based, workshop-based, in-person, online, how are you applying those learnings going forward? And and once again, this kind of, it's being very mindful of, of who you are as yeah. an individual, as a leader. I, yeah. and, and, and I think this podcast alone even going up to the macro level that this is a learning experience Mm -hmm. in multiple ways, because I'm learning from you. You're sharing your experience. There are people who are, are listening and learning. And I know, and really just within the last, I would say week or two, three people have reached out to me with words of gratitude, couple DMS, a text message, even saying, Oh my gosh, thank you for what you're doing. And you know what? If if you're listening to this right now and you have found value in this podcast, send me a text message and just let me know what you're learning and how this is helping you because it really is so impactful to learn how these conversations are inspiring others. So my 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 number is 832-549-5792 832-549 Five seven nine two. Send me a text message and just let me know how this is helping, because I am I am learning just as much. I mean, we're at like 
350-ish episodes now. And all of the information, all of the discussions have just increased my, not just my knowledge, but my awareness. And then I know you've been involved too through this experience on behind the scenes, backstage, which has also increased your knowledge and awareness as well. And so this is one of the things like we we, we talk about the strategic coach. It's, It's growth ability or unique ability, teamwork. We're all working together to learn and be even better, which is why one of our four elements, and I recommend this for other organizations as well, where is learning as a core value within your organization? Because if it's not, what could you be missing out on? What's your thought on that? If if learning is not a core value. Yeah, I mean, I think for a majority of, of people that I know we've spoken to, it's not. It, it's it's not in the budget. Uh, it's not a priority because we're so stuck in the present. We're so stuck in the present moment uh, and doing that we're not giving ourselves that time to be future focused. We mm. just had a conversation with um, Pia the other day on the podcast and, and her and I connected afterwards to talk about uh, Colby. And she mentioned to me that every Friday, Every Friday, she focuses on just learning. That's it. She doesn't work. You know, she blocks her calendar, doesn't worry about anything else but future-focused activities. And I was thinking about that and how, I mean, wonderful that would be, but I get it. That sounds like a lot. You know, that's an entire day that you're not producing something, Um but you will in the long run, you know, you've got to think about the future, the return. I think we want that instant gratification, the, the right now, uh, but you've got to play the longer game. That, that idea of your education, regardless of the medium, regardless of if it's a podcast like this, if it's a book, I mean, I still get the physical Harvard business journal uh, magazine or Harvard Business Review, printed copy. Um, it's a YouTube video. Yep. Uh, there's, it's a conference. It's a workshop. But building that into the future growth mechanism for individuals, for teams, for organizations, you're planting seeds. It's like a farmer. If all the farmer did was just harvest the current crop and did not plant seeds for the future, they would not have a crop for the future to harvest. And so it's about creating that dedicated space and time. And and I know from the research that we, we did when writing banking on change around 78%, almost 80% of financial brand leaders invest one to two hours a week or less on education, and I want to say it's around the 50% mark, was one hour or less per week. And as we're going through a period of exponential change, education and ongoing learning and ongoing development has to be part of the future growth mechanism. As an educator yourself, and this came up in the conversation with Gene Pelham, because they built an internal leadership program for themselves. I mean, he took the credit union from 400 million in assets to 3 billion in assets in around 10, 15 years. 
Now, if you don't ha- come from an educational background, could it be that you just don't know how to build education into the culture? Could that be a potential roadblock? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, there's a lot of ways, like you mentioned, there's a lot of ways to to educate yourself. It doesn't have to be a huge uh, expense, like going to a conference, you know, across the country or a thousand dollar workshop. I mean, it can be, but, you know, reading, reading is free outside of, you know, purchasing the book or, or the audible. And even from a time perspective, you know, you don't have to read cover to cover, page to page. I know for me, this was a hard thing to, to a uh, hard concept to grasp because for the longest, I mean, I was a reading teacher. And so, you know, books to me were just precious. And, and I felt that if I didn't read every single page, I was cheating myself. And so I had this thing and just until recently, and actually it was a conversation you and I were having where you were letting me know how much you kind of dip in and dip out of books, depending on what you're looking for or what you need at the time. And so I think there's, that's okay to do as well. Um, There's a lot of other shortcuts, you know, to go on YouTube and just type in, you know, the book that you're looking at, I guarantee you, somebody has a 20 minute summary on it, that you can get, you know, the the high points from it. I, I think that idea of reading coming back to the simplicity of books. Now I'm like you, I like the physical copy. Um, but I know some people like the digital, the Kindle version. But even then, and we had people do this with banking on digital growth. Um, I've seen people do this with Allison Netzer's book, um, Build a Brand, Not a Bank, and now her new book, A Year of Thinking Differently. Book clubs. Hosting a quarterly book club within your organization can help that ongoing learning. And as a digital leader, I think that it's a great transition to the third element that I want to wrap up on here. Digital leaders have a primary role and a primary responsibility to continuously empower others because that is a benchmark. That is a measurement of success is as a digital leader, how are those that I am guiding on their journey progressing? Why is this important to consider? I think a lot of times or most of the time we tend to rate or grade our level of success as a leader. And we tie that to, you know, finances, profits, ROI, how the organization is growing. And that's a reflection of how we did as a leader. But one of the things that Ryan Holiday, you know, mentioned, and I thought it was really, really interesting is considering not your success in terms of how much you did, but how you influenced those in your organization or those who worked underneath you and how they became great leaders. And one of a great example, um, and I, you know, I love sports. And so I, I loved hearing this was he talked about Greg Popovich, who is, you know, known to being the, you know, most, uh, the winningest uh, coach in NBA, but his, uh, you know, coaching tree underneath him is massive. I think he's got like seven or eight uh, There's seven or eight, I think head coaches right now who at one point worked underneath them. Well, Steve Kerr. Steve uh, Kerr was one of them. Yes. And on that note with Steve Kerr in 2022, Steve Kerr, who, you know, was once, uh, I think coached by uh, Greg Popovich and then was also an assistant coach in the NBA finals as a head coach, 
he was playing against another head coach, uh, Ime Ude, who also was underneath Greg Popovich at one point as a as a player and an assistant coach. So two of his protégés go on to then become head coaches in the NBA and then play each other in, in the championship. And that's just a, a great testament to the kind of leader he was because he raised so many other great leaders underneath him. Well, I think a great analogy of this is with my wife being Lebanese, it's like a, it's like a grapevine. A grapevine can live for hundreds of years, even an olive tree. An olive tree can live for thousands, thousands of years. Olive tree might even be better because that olive tree can go on to bear fruit and to see how many other olive trees can come up from that one. It's like, like Greg, Greg Poff, he's, he's the, he's, he's the olive tree here yeah. and he's continuously renewing the, the ground for others through his leadership. And I think what's, what's, what's again, is what is leadership? It's, it's providing a vision for the future and providing a path for the future to help people see what they can't see sometimes even within themselves. But that's where, too, on the alternative side, and, and and I think it's important to address this. You know, I remember being back in business school doing my MBA, and everyone was talking about Jack Welch, Jack Welch. But yeah. but Jack Welch was a very different leader. Yeah, very ruthless. And you know, when you look at, he did amazing things. He had great progress. But everything around him would basically just go on and, and eventually crumble. And that's where my question here around leaders empowering other leaders, leaders building other leaders, leaders growing other leaders. Where might ego be the enemy if we're going to stay on this idea of stoicism? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, thinking back to to Jack Welch, I mean, and and fear, um, you know, he led a lot of fear based organizations. Uh, it was I forget uh, who wrote this book on him, but it mentioned how every year, no matter what, he took the lowest performing 10 percent of the employees and cut them regardless of how great the organization was doing every year, if you were in that bottom 10%, you were out. And so that's, you know, that's leading by fear. And right. so you're not going to get growth that way. Um, you know, a lot of these people were out of jobs because he was trying to, I guess, well, I can't speak for him, but I'm assuming, you know, prove a point. Mm. And that's a good point. You can lead by fear or you can lead through inspiration and showing and helping people see not what the potential is, but what their potential is. Yes. And that's where I think about this idea of story selling that we've used so much when working with marketing and sales teams, but story selling I think is also a practical framework to consider when building an internal leadership program because with story selling, you have the hero and the hero is the future leader, the up and coming leader. But then you have the helpful and empathetic guide who's guiding the leader on their hero's journey 
because without Obi-Wan, Lucas still lost on Tatooine playing and building sandcastles. <laughs> without yes. without Mr. Miyagi, Daniel's son is still getting beat up by the Cobra Kai. And without Dory, Nemo is still lost at sea. Those are you could call those in story arc type narratives helpful guides, but in reality, they were leaders leading the heroes. Two, you know, if you think about the the Star Wars saga, you had Obi Wan training Anakin, which became Darth Vader, which was Luke's father, but then Obi Wan has to atone for his sins, so he trains the son. Then you have Luke Skywalker training now Rey in the in the new series. So it's almost like you see this passing of leadership back to the Greg Popovich example, and it all comes down to empowerment. So if if, if we start to wrap up, always sending off those who are watching or listening with a very practical example around the three points we've been talking today, emotions emotional awareness, education, and empowerment. Three keys, three tools in the toolbox for digital leaders. What would be one recommendation you would make for someone watching or listening to apply this, something small, on their own journey of growth? So I'm going to pass on, actually, a little bit of homework that I received in doing this Stoic um, Leadership Challenge which was to find a mentor, find a mentor to study. And this doesn't have to be a, a live person today or someone that you know. It could be someone in history that you just study. Study their leadership. What did they do? Learn from them. Learn from their experiences and their stories. You know, if you're into stoicism, Marcus Aurelius is a great example. If you are into sports or, or philosophy, go pick up some of Phil Jackson's books. You know, he's got a lot of great leadership lessons. There's tons of great leaders in history out there that you can just learn from. You know, that's a interesting point. When you can go and learn from leaders of the past to apply their knowledge today in the present moment. I've, I've, I've done that actually inadvertently never until you brought that into my awareness. Now, I have been learning from leaders like Jim Rowan, um, speaker from 1970s, 80s, and 90s. Just I would binge on his talks whenever I was training for some marathons. And I'm curious in reflection of how much that influenced my thinking and my actions, obviously, today. So that's a fantastic, easy-to-apply Next best step on those who are watching and listening. This has been a great conversation, Audrey. For someone who is listening, for someone who is watching, and they want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to reach out? Say hello. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Audrey Kanata. Say hello. Connect with Audrey. Learn with Audrey. Grow with Audrey. Audrey, this has been such a great conversation on digital leadership. I, I'm really looking forward to continuing this series because there's this. So much. This is when I think about. Our work through the lens of digital anthropology, marketing, sales, technology, human behavior, the human behavior component continues to be more and more interesting, whether that be human behavior internally within an organization, in this particular case around digital leadership, 
or externally when it comes to how people interact, deal with money. Um, I'm grateful. Grateful. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth Podcast. Thank you. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and be the light. <laughs>